What an amazing voice that she has. That was Feroz. This month on JJ's Music Box, Jang Javari moves his focus back to female vocalists and Feroz was one of the most famous singers in the history of the Arab world. Feroz is considered the musical icon of Lebanon and is popularly known as the soul of Lebanon. And I will leave the rest to Jang to tell us more. Good afternoon to you, Jang. Good afternoon, Sadia. Nice to be here again on good, a Wednesday. Good to have you in. It's always lovely to have you in the studio and Oh, the music. I thoroughly enjoy opening this um, JJ's Music Box because every week there's just um, another sort of delicacy that you introduce us to. And talking about delicacies, I was listening to that and we were just saying that, you know, people's exposure to music sometimes is when they're sitting in an exotic restaurant and they yeah. hear this in the background. Then you have visions of like hummus and, <laughs> and taboulet and things like this. And how did you come across this lady? Well, funny funny that you should mention restaurants because that's where I came across Ferus. <laughs> okay. Um was must have been in my early teens and it was Antwerp in Belgium and we had gone for dinner to a Lebanese restaurant and they were playing this music there and uh, I f- you know I was very sensitive to music right from a very yeah. young age yeah. and I heard this voice and I said, "Oh my god, you know this is just so beautiful." And yeah. um um, I'd, at that time, I did not realize that this is the Fairuz. This is uh-huh. the great uh, singer who was the soul of Lebanon. It was much later that I, when I was formally introduced to her music by a very dear friend, uh, who also comes from the first family of music in India, um, that I began to realize just what this lady was made of. Mm. And, you know, she's still around at a sprightly young wow. 86 years. Wow. And is she still singing? I should ask you that later, but like, <laughs> I can't resist not, it. Not much, but um, she's still very much there. Wow. Well, she sounds amazing. What a beautiful voice. And, and you know, the Arabic is just so beautiful to listen to. And I understand little bits and pieces of it, but there's just such a, a real richness in it, which kind of engages you as you're listening. So to tell me about her. Well, um, as um, you rightly pointed out, it's one of the most famous voices in the Arab world. So she was the second highest selling singer after Umm Kulthum, mm. whom we uh, we looked at right. from Egypt. Right, had a career that spanned nearly five decades, right from the fifties, wow, yeah, to the early noughties, and. Uh, uh, born on the 21st of November 1934. Now, Fairuz is her stage name. Mm-hmm. Fairuz means turquoise in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Fairuz, yeah. Yeah. Fairuz. And so, this precious gem, um, I suppose that's the name which befits, uh, you know, f- uh, befits her stature mm. so well. She was born Nuhad Wadiye Haddad okay. to a Christian family. Mm-hmm. And it's um, her life kind of follows more or less the same pattern that uh, you would find in a lot of these great voices that we have encountered. Born to a very, uh, uh, born in very humble beginnings. Um, Had a one bedroom flat with three siblings and and parents, which was shared. Showed an aptitude for singing (laughs) at a very young age when she was in school. And uh, she was discovered and, um, by a famous musician there by the name of, now let me see if I can get this correct, uh, Muhammad uh, f- uh, uh, Flayful. Fly, Flayful. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Flayful. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, he persuaded her, her father to let her learn music at, a, at the conservatory. And, um, you know, she also persuaded him to allow her to take up a job as a chorus singer in Radio Lebanon. Okay. And he said only on one condition. A, he was not really in favor of her pursuing music. Her father. A very conservative yes, family. Yes. Um, so he said one condition, as long as her brother accompanies her uh, on to trips to the radio so station. Like as, a as a chaperone. As a chaperone, yes. So she started there and then she was discovered. Uh, uh, I mean, the head of that station um, saw something in her. A gentleman by the name of Al Rumi, mm -hmm. and um, he was the one who persuaded the father to put her through the conservatory, and she started learning um, the classical Arabic style of singing verses, which is normally reserved for verses from the Quran. I believe it's called Tajweed. Mm -hmm. Tajweed, yeah. yes. And so, even though she was Christian, mm -hmm. but doing so her arabic intonation the little filigree work the vocal yes, yes. niceties and subtleties they were all kind of inculcated in her at a very young age okay and so it was in the early 50s that she had uh, her first major hit um in fact it was composed by her future husband oh okay yeah so there was um uh, where she worked on Radio Lebanon, um, there were these two brothers called the Rahbani brothers. And her husband, a future husband, Asi Rahbani, was the one who composed the song for her. Mm -hmm. And it just uh, created a sensation in the Arab world. And, you know, if you, if you recall in those days, radio was a very, very strong uh, medium. Yeah, I can imagine that that was the, there wasn't much around then, and obviously people were listening to regular programs and new things coming out, weren't they? Sure. So that's what established her. She had her first live performance when she was twenty-three um, in nineteen fifty-seven at the Baalbek International Festival. Mm -hmm. Now, the Baalbek Festival for years was one of the premier music festivals uh, of the world, and it was. Uh, organized, uh, it was um, held at the Bakar Valley, which was the scene of a lot of fighting later on. Mm -hmm. And you had major stars, everybody from Ella Fitzgerald to Louis Armstrong and the New York Philharmonic okay. Orchestra and the big opera singers, they all performed there. Okay. So she got her first uh, live... Uh, That's quite a major feat then at that uh, age, isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely. And she uh, appeared in something called uh, Lebanese Nights or something like that, you know, during the festival. And she created a sensation there. Mm. And then she went on to release a lot of music. And so the early 60s um, um, uh, saw her teaming up with those, those Rabani brothers. I mean, she married... Asi Rabani, in the sometime in the early fifties, had four children from him. Okay, right, and uh, they got together and went on to create a lot uh, of um, uh, singles. And you just heard one of them in the beginning. And that was Anal Habibi. That was really lovely. I belong to my beloved, and my beloved belongs to me. Oh, fantastic! And uh, so. Um, now, they became very famous. Uh, now, what they did was, it was interesting, what Asi Rabani and his brother did. 
So when we heard Um Kultum, do you re- you must uh, you remember? Yes. Hmm. So is there? I mean, contrast? Are they contrasting? What kind of music? Um, you know, how different was Um Kultum compared to her? Well, the thing is, thing about Um Kultum was that it was still cla- it was classical Arabic poetry, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of improvisation. And you had songs which could last anywhere from twenty minutes to yes, half an hour, forty minutes sometimes. Yes, right. Um, now Lebanon was a melting pot. Mm-hmm. You had Christians and Druze and Jews and all kinds of people, and there were people who came in and out of that place. Mm-hmm. So not everybody was of Arab descent. Yes. So you know you're not likely to have people sitting through a half an hour. I mean, there were people who did appreciate that kind of music. So the brothers um, created this three or four minutes, these three or four minute songs, where um, improvisation was, uh, which 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 did not uh, feature a lot of improvisation. Mm-hmm. They were kind of well rehearsed mm-hmm. and well produced songs, which blended symphonic and jazz sounds, and even later on Latin sounds. Okay. Um, the other thing is that um, because of her musical training. Feroz was not only trained in the Arabic style of singing, but she had a voice which was flexible and lent itself very well to yeah, yeah to different types, different right. types and Western style singing. Uh-huh. And there were many songs that they did. For instance, I remember one of the first few songs I ever heard from her in that restaurant. Now that I look back, was a take on Mozart's Fortieth Symphony. Wow. Da 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 da. You know. So they were obviously they were producing music which was really quite diverse and appe- and the appeal of that music was to a larger audience and I suppose it was it's almost like these days where you know people have limited concentration and they're not going to listen for too long but is that what the aim was to produce music that everyone was going to like in some form Yeah I think that was very much the aim although um, mind you um I did say in the beginning that she was the second highest-selling mm. singer. Mm. Um Kulthum still oh, ruled the roost. Okay, wow, that's yeah. amazing. So it's all horses for courses, right? Different. Yes. I mean, it's the same thing applies to a style like Hindustani classical, yes. for instance, or Hindustani music, where you know your average performance may last for half an hour, forty-five minutes, and uh-huh. but there is definitely an audience for it. Yes, yes. So, but uh, would you say that she was going? They were going for. A kind of more popular music to attract more people, and in those, you know, the the brothers were putting together some music which would appeal to more people. That is true. That is very true. And yet, um, as we heard her vocals, it preserved the essence of traditional okay. Arabic singing. Yeah. So they're making people appreciate. I suppose you know because so many people don't understand it that if they bring that in, that they're raising awareness of that as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, just just in that song, uh, there's that this line which goes to the lower notes, and mm-hmm. she does this little shrill, mm-hmm. you know, this this kind of stuff, this filigree work, mm-hmm. which is not, um, uh, which is so. Um, uh, uh, such a delight to listen to mm. in Arabic and uh, I, I dare say you Indian And music. you obviously, um, you know, as a musician yourself, your yeah. ears are finely tuned. So, you know, the average ear, but my ear may not even pick it out, but certainly you as a musician can actually sift through that and pull those things out and see just how much work goes Yeah, that's it. a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I do recall, you know, I, you know, Jung, sometimes like, you know, once or twice we've been out and just uh, for food and things like that. And he uh, has, has been passing by some people who are just doing some karaoke and he can pick up immediately on just their tune and everything. So I suppose, yes, you have a talent, but you have to live with it. Yeah, yes, yes. That is that is that is my uh, blessing and my curse to bear. You know. So, um uh, so this is uh, all these songs in the 60s and uh, uh, the 70s became very famous throughout the Arab world and she toured extensively. Mm-hmm. And it was in 71 that she toured the West. In fact, she had a very successful tour of uh, the United States where a lot of um, Arab Americans, I mean, she was just received so well there and um, and she became an international sensation then. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially Western audiences, hadn't quite heard anything like this, mm-hmm. you know. And as Umm Kulthum was, uh, uh, Ferouz was quite uh, popular in France. Oh right, okay. She's had, uh, she's been the recipient of two of France's biggest uh, civilian honors. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Or uh, uh, the command, uh, commander des arts, des arts et des lettres, mm-hmm. as well as the légionnaire d'honneur. Okay, that's quite a that's quite a thing, and and that was all for her Arabic tracks, really. Isn't that's it? correct. Yes. That's correct. I mm-hmm. don't recall her having having any having other language. Was, yeah, yeah. sung in French or okay. some of the other tracks. So um, she goes on then. Um, uh, to um, um, record many more albums, she they did a lot of musicals, which were staged live in Lebanon, so operettas mm-hmm. with uh, storylines and dialogues and mostly music. Um, that was the one she even did about three films in the sixties. Okay. Because she's quite a, I mean, I've got pictures on Facebook of her when she was much younger, but she was quite a beautiful woman, wasn't she? She's quite a glamorous looking woman. Sure. It, it was quite interesting. She was, um, her, she had quite a persona, as most of these people have. Mm. Very private, mm-hmm. almost hermetic uh, existence. All right. But when she was on stage. She had a real presence. She presence, but she was, she came across as a bit kind of cold, frigid and statuesque. Oh, but that was primarily due to the way she, that she would address her stage fright. Oh, okay. So she didn't actually like getting out there in front of people, but she just had that talent. Yeah, and for her, singing, when she sang, it was almost as if she was in meditation or prayer. Mm-hmm. And you can see some of her concerts on YouTube. And um, I know because my friend um, actually flew from Bombay to Las Vegas to see her perform live in, I think it was in 1999, when she performed at MGM there. And he told me that, man, she was something even at that age, eh? Yeah, it probably took her. I mean, you know that you must understand that that once you you are singing and you have that passion for it, it takes you over. You're in a different world then, aren't you? Absolutely. You don't need to see the people around you. Yeah. So then, in um, uh, the mid uh, uh, in mid seventies, her husband Asi met with uh, uh, some health care, and um, after that, it was her son uh, Ziad who took over. Mm-hmm. And in '86, she lost Asi. Okay. But I think before then they had already divorced. 
Okay. But by this time, her son was managing most of her um, uh, business uh, mm-hmm. and in terms of being a manager and doing, looking after the logistics and the arrangements. Also produced albums. The sound became more modern mm-hmm. with more pronounced jazz elements and even elements of funk. Oh. Yes. Oh. So uh, it was, as you said, uh, music which was geared to a more modern audience. Mm. Mm. I'd love to listen to more of it, actually, now you've introduced me to her. <laughs> now, you remember that in the 80s, Lebanon was a war-ravaged place. Mm. Mm. But with her, unlike a lot of others, she refused to leave. Okay. She decided to stay back. And um, she expressed, now looking back at her songs, a lot of her songs are obviously about love. But they're also, they also deal with the socio-political issues of that place. And in the 80s, increasingly, she expressed her dissent um, with war okay. in some of her songs. And mm-hmm. we are going to, in fact, listen to one of them towards the end of this program, mm-hmm. Libé Ruth. Okay. Um, and what marked her out and what earned her the respect of everybody there was the fact that she never took sides. Okay. You know, and she became a voice of reason because of not taking sides. And um, everybody, you know, they say that the Lebanese can disagree on almost everything except for Feroz. Oh, it's lovely. So she became a very, um, uh, she represented stability, became a unifying, almost a unifying force Uh in that war-torn land. Yeah. So you got... um, and in the 90s, she produced uh, six, album, six albums, and obviously a lot of this was done by her son, Ziad. Mm-hmm. Um, She's just got the one son, or she had a couple of kids? No, she had four children. Okay. Who one, right, of them, of one of them died. Okay. Um, and, uh, but three survived. Okay. And um, in 92, there was this very, there was a bit of uh, controversy where Madonna used one of her tracks, Feruz's tracks, uh, sampled them for her song Erotica. Oh. And Feruz sued her. Oh, wow. Now that's a bit of scandal there. Yeah. Oh. And um, they settled out of court. Okay. But that particular track of Madonna was banned in Lebanon. I see. That's very interesting. Yeah. So she was obviously doing things which was inspiring others, you know, that they wanted to follow in her tracks. Around. Well, let me let me let me let me um, uh, share this with you. A lot of her tracks in the '60s also inspired a lot of Bollywood songs. Mm. Mm. And in fact, uh, I was once told of a story where two um, uh, uh, Bollywood composers um, uh, visit were visiting Lebanon for a particular film that they were doing, they were asked to compose for, and they were asked to go to Beirut and actually listen to the music. It so happened that uh, they met up with the Rahbani brothers and with Feroz, and they were invited to dinner, and they heard a song of hers, an unreleased song of hers, and uh, one of them, one of the duo, liked it so much, he asked her husband, can I please, can can I have permission to reprise that song Mm -hmm. in Hindi? Mm -hmm. And uh, the husband says, well, you can have it because it's an Arabic folk tune. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my composition. All right. Okay. But yeah, she was, um, in fact, um, she was dearly loved by nearly all of the famous Bollywood 
composers and singers at the time, including our very own Lata Mangeshkar and Asha oh, Bosley. That's amazing. Well, she sounds like a fantastic woman. And I'm, I'm really, like, I really do want to hear more of her music. Now, in, in, with the track that we are going to end with, we've got another about a minute and a half or so, mm. but um, what is this track? You were saying this is the more political side of things and, and some of the music that she did. Yeah. So this track is called Le Beirut. Um, uh, this is to Beirut, you know, in in praise of Beirut, where she says something, uh, where the lines roughly transla- translated mean something like this. Um, I'm sending my kisses and hugs to Beirut. Um, you know, it has wine from the soul of its people. It has bread and jasmine from their sweat. You know, but look at it now. Why does it now reek of smoke and fire? Oh, Gosh. So that was that voice of dissent that I spoke mm. about. Mm. Mm. And um, uh, she, uh, a lot of her later songs dealt with this subject. Mm. Well, I must listen. Um, Jayang, thank you very much um, for JJ's Music Box today. It's always a delight to have you on the program. And, and I feel like we've got to listen to her now. And I'm going to play the track. And this is going to take us right up to the news at two. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. L- likewise. And dare I say that uh, you might just get your hummus cravings back again. <laughs> okay. So just pre- I'm, I won't think about sitting in a restaurant when I listen to this. Sure. So enjoy. <laughs> من قلبي 